Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it will bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Psalm 101, 102, and 103. Psalm 101 says, I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away and shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. And, uh, you know, the, the psalmist here, and this is David talking, you know, what he's speaking of is... Um, Basically, like a choice that he had made to be holy and to not, um, a couple of things. Number one, not to tolerate even being in the midst of the ungodly as a person or as a thing, that he would not tolerate being around the ungodly. Um, any any ungodly thing, whether that be a person in his home or even a thought in his mind. And he also declares here that uh, an unwillingness to compromise, that he would not compromise. The subtitle in this passage in my Bible says, I will walk with integrity. And that's a choice that we need to make. And... um, and the way that we walk with integrity is by not tolerating evil and not compromising even slightly. And so that's why he says, I'm not going to set my eyes before anything that is worthless, right? It, you know, everyone else's eyes and attention and focus may be on these things, but I'm not going to. I'm going to be radically set apart for God. And, you know, when you see someone that's radically set apart for God, what that does is it puts them into a tier, um, an elite tier, where, uh, like it says in, um, I believe it's 2 Timothy, 1st or 2nd Timothy, I think it's 2nd Timothy, but it says in a home there are many instruments, you know, and some are for common use, and some are made of, like made out of wood. And, and clay, and some are made out of gold. And, you know, you don't use all of the instruments in your home for the same purposes. They're, they all may be of value, but some are used for more honorable things. And, you know, and in the context of that passage is, you know, basically keep yourself from evil, you know, not, not so that God would love you more, because we know that we are covered by grace, and when, when, when Jesus 
you know, came to die for us, we became his righteousness. We now have a robe of righteousness on us. So when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. So I can't do anything to make him love me anymore. But when we look, we do see that if I don't prepare myself by walking in integrity, then there's only so much that God can use me for. You know, it's like a surgeon looking out at a table full of tools and looking for the correct scalpel to use to make the incision. Well, which one can he use? Only the one that's been properly sanitized, right? So if your heart's not clean and you're not walking with integrity, there's a limit to how great God can use you because if you're infected by your own sickness and illness and sin, then there's a limit that God can really use you in ministering to other people because of the potential that you would spread the wickedness that you've become complacent to, to these other people. And so that's really the heart, heart cry for integrity is that, is that I'm going to set myself apart from everything um, that's not about God and everything that could steal my attention anything that's worthless, I'm going to purposely consecrate myself from anything that's worthless so that God can use me more honorably. So when he needs a man for the job, that he looks and he sees me, not because I'm the most talented, not because I'm the best looking, not because I'm the most gifted, but because I have consecrated myself in a way that he can use me for honorable purposes. And so you know, uh, 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 David is is really saying, I'm not going to put up with anything. And David was used very mightily by God, and he never he never compromised. You know, um, you know, in 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 the way of the sort of matters that he's talking about here. You know, obviously, if we know David's life, we know that that uh, uh, he did compromise uh, specifically one time, and. Uh, and it was when he had the affair with Bathsheba. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that we know exactly the timeline as to where 100, the Psalm 101 is written. Um, if we, I don't know if we were, we were able to necessarily put it before or after. Chronologically, it comes after because Psalm 51 is the psalm he wrote immediately after his... Uh, his incident with Bathsheba, but I'm, I, I would have to do a little deep research to see if anyone even has an opinion as to where we could really put Psalm 101 at on the biblical timeline. But I'll, but I'll say this, in his heart was a desire to not compromise. And that may have been a desire that he didn't always walk out. And it may have been a desire that he had to learn the hard way. Because if you'll remember that story, with uh, David and Bathsheba, it says that it was the time in which kings would go to war and David decided to stay at home. And, you know, so he already was compromising and not doing the things that he felt like he was supposed to do. And that put him into vulnerable places where he began to make wrong decisions. And that's always how it works is, is it's a, um, when, when, you, when, you're, when you're dealing with sin, you, you know, it comes upon us it comes upon us subtly, right? It, it, not not suddenly, but subtly. It takes it, it's it's a gradual 
kind of a thing and it's kind of one compromise at a time and and one of the things so he he's making a point of this is i'm going to have integrity and um i'm not going to set my eyes before anything worthless and then also he started he starts to talk about the community that he'll surround himself with because um some of this language is pretty is pretty powerful because he says no one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house no one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes morning by morning i will destroy all the wicked in the land cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. And what he's really saying is, is it's not that he's going to roll up on somebody and if they're sinful, then he's going to take a sword to their throat. What he's really saying is that I'm not going, the, the, words he, the word he uses there is dwell. Meaning, dwell means to linger, means to tether. It means to, to, uh, to spend an extended portion of time, right? So he's saying, the people that are going to be in my close community and my tribe, the people that are going to be welcome uh, anytime into my home, the people that are going to sit at my table, those are only going to be people that are on the same path as me. They're only going to be people that are seri- as serious about, about following the Lord as I am. And I'm not going to linger with people that are not... Um, on the same course as I am. And that's just good biblical wisdom. I think sometimes we have a hard time drawing that line. Um, You absolutely are going to have relationships with the unrighteous. You're going to work with them. You're going to have people in your family that don't love God. Um, But your closest tribe, your, the, the closest community that you really commune with every day, those need to be, those need to be Jesus freaks, (laughs) right? Those need to be people that are all in for the Lord. Um, Because, if you're going to have integrity, you're going to have to surround yourself with people that are on the same path as you. Otherwise, you're going to inadvertently begin to compromise uh, some things that you're that even in, even just in the way that you think or, or the way that you speak. Okay, and so um, that's just a call to integrity there, and it starts by choosing that you're not going to tolerate dwelling around evil, whether it be evil things or whether it be evil people. Um, that you are going to carefully choose what you set before your eyes, what is comes into your mind, what comes out of your mouth, and who sits around your table. Okay? And uh, Psalm 102 says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. And it goes on, and it's talking about the difficulty um, that they're experiencing. Uh, this is a familiar theme in, in the Psalms. Uh, the common struggle uh, that we experience and we're waiting and, and hoping and, and praying that God would move and it feels sometimes as though it's just not coming suddenly enough. And um, But what, what we do is then we again remind ourselves of how mighty and powerful and sovereign God is. And that's where the Psalm shifts in verse 12 but you O lord are enthroned forever you are remembered throughout all generations you will arise and have pity on zion it is the time to favor her the appointed time has come for your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust the nations will fear the name of the lord and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory for the lord builds up zion he appears in his glory he regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Let this be a record, uh, be recorded for a generation to come, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. You, this is powerful. You know, I've talked about this in a previous time together, um, but we, we, we as believers, we need to learn to prophesy His promise. 
Okay, we need to learn to prophesy ourselves out of out of ruins. We need to learn to prophesy ourselves out of of the valleys of life. And what that means is I need to learn when I'm low to start speaking God's word over my situation and what I believe by faith will come to pass. Okay? And so and that's not like some kind of a cheap, you know, the prosperity kind of a, a thing. I'm, I'm not saying, he's not name it, claim it. You know, it's like, well, we're poor, but I know next year we're making six, you know, figures each, me and my wife, and we're gonna, you know, that, that's not even, that's not even prophecy. You know, j- just saying positive things isn't prophecy. Okay, just saying bold things doesn't make it prophecy. The nature of, of prophecy is that I'm speaking the word of God. Okay, so how do I speak the word of God in my situation? Well, let me give you an example. So I I come before the Lord and I'm low and that's okay. It's okay to come before him low sometimes. Lord, this has been such a hard season and I feel as though people are turning against me and I feel as though, you know, things are just seem to get worse every day and I just don't know what to do. Okay, so you're bearing your heart and you're casting your cares and then you need to have a turn where you then begin to prophesy yourself out of this. How do you do that? You know, Lord, but I know that this season won't last because you said I'm the head and not the tail. You said that I'll lend to many nations, but I won't have to borrow. You said that your plans for me are good. Okay. You said that you're going to work all things together for good. You said that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I will live in the land of the living. I surely will not die. You have a plan for this. You see how I'm, I mean, even just, that's powerful, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't even feel like I'm really going through something right now. Me just starting to prophesy just, just then over myself, I'm like, I'm already at least 25% more excited to start my day. <laughs> that's the power of knowing God's word, knowing God's promises, and then speaking it over yourself. Speaking it over yourself, Lord, I know that this won't last forever. I know that you've got a good plan for this. I know that you're not done yet. I know that your word says when you start something that you'll finish it. You know, and so that that's it, that's powerful to cling to because it stirs your faith back up and it calls forth to remembrance that even though things may not look so good right now, that, that they're going to get better because because God's not done yet. He's He's making something. You know, it, it's kind of like... um. When you're, when you're, when someone's cooking something, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe they've put a few ingredients in and you go and you taste it and it doesn't really taste that good just yet, right? But it's not done. It's not done just yet. And so what you need to cling to is all the meals that they've, all the meals they've made before and all the times that you've dined at their table previously. And you, and that gives you the faith to hang on until that soup is done. Okay, because I know it's not great yet, but all they've got in there right now is stock. Okay, this just got a little bit of celery and some chicken stock. This hadn't really turned into a soup yet. Give it a little time. Okay, good things take a little time. And sometimes these ingredients have to work together. Sometimes they have to simmer for a while. Sometimes they have to slow cook for a while. But God is always working on something. And so you need to cling to his integrity and the promises of old and prophesy those over yourself to get, your, to get yourself through where you're at. Psalm 103 is a beautiful psalm, um, and uh, it is the epitome of spiritual maturity. Dwell on this psalm. 
okay? Because this is as spiritually mature as I think we can find ourselves at. And that is where we no longer are willing to take our orders from our soul, but we uh, give the orders to our soul. So my soul is my mind, okay? That's my thoughts. Um, it's my emotions, my feelings. That's what my soul is. It, it's, there's, a, there's a couple of things that make up the soul, okay? It's the truest version of you. It's you beneath the flesh's tent. It's the portion of you that will live on forever, okay? It's, it's your heart, it's your mind, and it's your will. It's your desires. It, it's, you know, and, and, and a lot of people are led by their soul, meaning they're led by their feelings and their heart and their mind. But really us as believers, we need to be more mature than that. And that's what David is doing in this psalm. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Okay, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? And this is a little bit of kind of what we're talking about a second ago about prophecy uh, and prophesying over yourself. But this is kind of like, you, this. if you could grasp this today, this would totally uh, change the way that you consider your time in the Lord's presence and, and the time that you have in prayer. Because what I think about what David's doing here, it's almost like he went into the secret place and he said, all right now, soul, now I know you got a lot of feelings and I know you got a lot of thoughts and I know you got a lot of opinions, but I want you to sit right there and I'm, gonna, <laughs> and I'm just going to remind you real quick of what truth is in the midst of all these feelings. Because feelings are not facts. Right? Sometimes you just wake up feeling bad. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong. That's just because we live in a fallen world and we've got flesh. Sometimes it's just because you're hungry. Anyone ever get hangry? <laughs> Sometimes it's because you're tired and you didn't sleep well and you were restless. Sometimes you're thirsty and you're dehydrated. Other times you're, you're starting to have the makings of a cold or an allergy or, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes the enemy has tried to uh, throw uh, impure thoughts in your mind and cause you to worry and you know, but this is all just fictional stuff. This is soulish, as we would define it. But you need to not be subject to your soul. You're telling your soul to be subject to God. Okay, here we go, soul. All right, this is a brand new day. Now you're going to bless the Lord, soul. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Hey, mind, you're going to submit to God. Hey, heart, you're going to worship God. Hey, will, you're going to surrender to God. Okay, and and, and so... And so this is just a powerful uh, call to remembrance where he's, you know, and he, he, gets, he gets so authoritative at the end here. You know, he says, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so just a powerful psalm there by David. I'm really just scratching the surface of it because we're out of time today. But I would encourage you to, 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 to meditate on that yourself. But that is the mark of spiritual maturity, is that you're no longer willing to take orders from your soul, but you're um, dedicated to commanding your soul to obey the word of the Lord.